everybody, and welcome to From Plum Creek with Love, a little house on the prairie podcast. I'm your host, John Hernandez. Now, I don't have a Patreon account, and truth be told, even if I did, I wouldn't know what to put on there. I'm already pretty invested with what I'm doing with the podcast itself, the Spotify playlist for the season, as well as the Instagram account. I've pretty much reached my max of how much more I can put into this podcast. As a podcast listener, I do know it's kind of customary for those who have signed up for a Patreon account to get a shout out. Myself, based solely to those who leave a review for the podcast, as well as those who have contacted me, email or Instagram, with also something that they really enjoy about the podcast. So I would like to give a special shout out to Eve. Thank you for taking the time to leave a rating and review on your platform of choice. And a special shout out to young listener Kelsey. I was informed via Instagram that she enjoys the podcast and finds my voice soothing, calming, which is still the compliment I love to hear. You know, in recording a podcast, you have to listen to yourself quite a bit. Growing up, I hated the sound of my recorded voice, but now I'm used to it. And to hear feedback from listeners saying that they find it soothing or calming always make me feel great. So again, thank you, Kelsey. And with that being said, let's get started on today's recap. Today's episode is entitled Divorce, Walnut Grove Style, and debuted on November 10th, 1980. The episode was written by Don Ballack and directed by Michael Landon. We open up with a shot of a dirty Almanzo Wilder bringing the horses in from a long day of work. From the porch, that used to belong to Eliza Jane, Laura calls out to her husband, it's time for dinner. And cut to, whoa, Almanzo in the bathtub. It's the first time we've seen him shirtless. He's washing up, singing, Oh Susanna. And sorry, not sorry, a soaking wet Almanzo is actually kind of hot. Unfortunately, that all dissipates when he starts acting like the manly child he is and whines that there's not a clean towel for him to dry off with. From off screen, we hear Laura apologize on how she forgot to get to the laundry today. And sitting in that tub, bare-chested and still dripping wet, he groans and proceeds to whine how he'll just have to sit there in the tub and watch his skin wrinkle. Unfortunately, those are his words. He then proceeds to ask how's he supposed to dry off. Ugh, this manly child. Laura offers a compromise and suggests he uses a sheet. Manly child complains how that is just stupid. But he finally manages to get out of the tub and heads into the kitchen, passing Laura, who is at the table, yet again, grating more papers. Once in the kitchen, Manly Child whines about, one, 
how there are so many rocks and tree stumps out in the field he's plowing, and who that they're having stew for dinner once again. Leaving those papers ungraded at the table, Laura comes into the kitchen and serves him up a bowl. As she starts talking about having too much paperwork to correct and still having to prepare tests for her students. Taking a seat at the table with that serving of stew, Alamanzi then complains that the stew is watery and half cooked. And instead of offering to help, he sits there as Laura gets up once again from her schoolwork and takes the stew and puts it back in the pot to cook. We hear Almanzo then complain how he's half starved, but I guess I'll live. And while Laura sits herself back down and continues her work, Almanzo decides to pass the time and practice guitar right there next to her at the table. He doesn't even bother to leave the room. Laura voices how this is an issue. It disrupts her concentration. Starting to get a little annoyed, Almanzo and myself, he then inquires where he should go to practice. And personally, I have one idea where he should go. Calmly, Laura suggests he goes outside. And thus we have another laugh moment. Laura Almanzo fight. Can't a man relax in his own home? They proceed to then compare their days, as if it were a competition. Needless to say, they exchange opinions back and forth, with their volume getting louder and louder. And finally, out of anger, he calls Laura a library and heads out to play his music for the cows. We cut to later that evening. Manly is laying in bed staring up at the ceiling and while the two of them should proceed to have all the apologies we get no apologies between them and they proceed to go to bed angry well actually once the light is turned off manly child proceeds to grab a pillow and leaves the room slams the door and for some reason he heads downstairs and sleeps on the couch but didn't he have a room of his own when the house was Eliza Jane's? Regardless, he doesn't last long on the couch because he's too big for it, and he falls on the floor, groans, and just decides to sleep there. Next morning, simple sentences are spoken between the two of them until Laura leaves for work. We cut to the schoolyard, and we see Willie with a friend running into the murking tile and nearly colliding in with Charles, who happens to be handling a wrapped-up giant piece of glass. He proceeds to load it into the wagon, then calls over to Half Pint, who is leaving school for the day. Charles notices Laura seems distracted. She responds she's just a little tired. In sticking his nose into business, as Charles does, mentions that Almanzo was the same way today. Laura comes to her husband's defense and states that he's been working hard, but then mentions how they did have a little argument. Charles, trying to be the peacekeeper, invites the two of them over for dinner tomorrow. 
and says they can also see the new picture window he's planning on installing. Before parting ways, he gives the advice not to let the argument drag on. It's best to talk it out. All smiles. Laura claims that she's going to do just that right now. Over at the feed and seed, Manny is working hard moving boxes of machinery. It says it on the boxes. Once that is completed, he moves behind the counter to start more work. And in steps a woman in a lovely bonnet named Brenda Sue. Almanzo says hi and inquires when did she move back into the area? Apparently, this is one of those unseen girls Almanzo dated in season six. She's returned from Chicago. She's managed to have a song published. With a smile, she calls Almanzo a hard-working family man. He giggles. Brenda Sue then asks if marriage is working for him. And facepalm. Almanzo says, sure. Just that, sure. Brenda Sue then proceeds to say the quiet part out loud. <sighs> Such a waste. As we watch this exchange, Laura watches it as well as she's approaching the feed and seed. And I can't help but notice there's a conflict in the background. The sign above Nellie's says Nellie's restaurant and hotel. But once again, the windows say Caroline's restaurant and hotel. Anyway, Laura sees Brenda Sue and Almanzo and steps forward. Manly says hi to Laura and mentions how Brenda Sue has written a song. And what feels like a bit of sarcasm on the prairie, Laura states, I'm so glad. Pauses, then apologizes by saying she doesn't want to keep him busy from his work and storms off. Almanzo runs after her, leaving Brenda Sue, who delivers a my my. Back out at the Wilder Farm, we get another laugh moment as Laura beats some dough. It's not kneading, it's literally beating. It's in this moment we find out Almanzo has been into music for a while, despite this being the first time we've ever been made aware of it. Almanzo then takes this moment to say the dumbest thing and calls Laura's jealous behavior stupid. Thankfully, Laura's not having it, hands him the dough and proclaims, well, maybe I'm too stupid to cook supper, and leaves. Over at Plum Creek, Charles is installing that new window. Albert says it looks great. Carrie blank stares at it, wondering what it is. Once it's put into place, Charles mentions how it's fit perfectly. And we hear from Carrie, I like it, Pa. Caroline calls it beautiful. And right then and there, Laura enters, announces her plans to leave Almanzo, and slams the door. Charles had a moment to install the window, but unfortunately, not the time to secure it, because slamming the door causes the window to fall and break. Back over at the Wilder farm, Almanzo is failing as a baker as he pulls out that burnt bread. 
but he does look cute in an apron. Probably would look cuter if he was shirtless underneath that apron. He's busy talking to himself, trying to process the fight between him and Laura. And outside, we hear a wagon approach. And he tells himself, ah, be calm and be ready to accept the apology. There's an eye roll from me on that. With the apron still on, he heads out into the living room to have a seat and pulls out the paper to pretend to read it. However, there's a knock at the door. And it's Harriet. And upon opening the door, she reminds us of Elmonzo's other nickname, Zeldamo. She's there delivering a fabric Laura had ordered. And of course, there's about to be some gossip spread because Harriet notices the apron and finds out that Laura is not around. Escorting her to the door, Elmonzo says if you want to find Laura, you can find her over at the Ingalls place. The Ingalls place, you say? How nice. Will she be back later? And Almanzo has not learned the lesson of keeping his mouth shut when around Harriet. After spilling the tea, he closes the door on Harriet with a good day. And we hear Harriet laugh as she also wishes him a good day. Of course, we get a shot of Harriet returning to town and starting to stir the pot by sharing this news with Nellie. And, well, it seems as though Nellie doesn't know exactly what to do with this information. However, Harriet, Harriet knows exactly what to do with it. Back over at Plum Creek, Albert, along with Carrie and baby Grace, are taking the trash out which is, I believe, the first time we've ever seen that. I think it'll be nice having Laura back. Albert calls the whole situation crowded. I don't mind. Do you mind? Carrie hasn't grasped what's really about to happen, with how she's about to share the loft with her big brother and her big sister, which Albert takes this time to remind us, snores. Inside, Laura apologizes about the window and has explained what she has seen between Almanzo and Brenda Sue. Charles says you could be wrong, but does also state it is wrong to call your wife stupid. Caroline mentions how we sometimes say stupid things out of anger, and newlyweds will always have disagreements. Charles cuts her off, I never called you stupid, and insists Laura should not have that type of abuse, while also at the same time, he's happy to have Laura back at Plum Creek. Caroline suggests Laura stay one night to sleep on it. Your feelings might change in the morning. And as Charles continues with what he would like to do to Almanzo, Caroline rolls her eyes without rolling them, and tells him to head outside to get Carrie and Albert. He smiles and complies, and tells Laura she can stay as long as she likes. Back over at the Wilder farm, Manly Child is moping in the dark, staring at the fire. He takes a moment to get up and check the front door. Nothing, and then heads up to his bedroom to mope some more. 
he then decides that they should make up. But he doesn't get more than two steps out the door before he convinces himself, why should I apologize? I didn't do anything wrong. And he heads back upstairs to bed. Late night, up in the loft at Plum Creek, we find out the new sleeping arrangements. Carrie has Albert's old spot behind the curtain. Albert gets the bed, but minus the mattress, because Laura is sleeping on it on the floor. She compliments what he's done with the space, and you're talking to a kid who used to live underneath a loading dock. He knows how to make the most of a situation. Behind the curtain, we hear, Albert, I can't sleep, and request a story. Albert says no, it's late. It doesn't feel late. Albert snaps back and says he doesn't care what it feels like. It's late. Go to bed, Carrie. As he lays his head to sleep, he then asks Laura if she's really going to leave Almanzo. She's not sure. And this is when Albert proceeds to start his smooth talking, trying to get his space back and assuring Laura that there is still love between her and Almanzo. Unfortunately, this smooth talk puts Laura to sleep, and she starts to snore. And if that wasn't enough for Albert, we then hear, Albert, I hear an animal growling. Poor Albert. Next morning, Caroline is out of bed and is surprised that Laura is up. Laura admits Caroline was right, and she's heading home early so she can cook breakfast for her husband. She says thank you for the hospitality and states there's no place she'd rather be than at home with her husband and says goodbye, while also accepting Caroline's invitation for dinner later that weekend. When Laura is gone, Albert comes down from the loft. Caroline apologizes for waking him up. Albert admits, however, he hasn't even gone to bed. He does ask if Laura and Almanza are going to make up. With a smile, Caroline says yes. Albert turns and heads back up into the loft and says goodnight. Back at the Wilder farm, Laura rushes in and finds the house empty. But what she also finds is a note reading, My only love, Brenda Sue Longworth. The scat is about to hit the fan. We find out Almanzo has left early to make a delivery. Who knows where to? It doesn't look like Sleepy Eye. Finishing, he heads into the general store to find a present for Laura. The saleswoman is stunned by this action. Men only buy gifts for birthdays. And she suggests perhaps some perfume. Eau de l'amour, lemon verbena. Desperation. The saleswoman mentions that her late husband buys her gifts outside of her birthday whenever they have an argument. So she insists that they argue all the time. Almanzo's confused. Didn't you say late husband? The saleswoman smiles and says, that's what we argue about. He's always late. 
Almanzo makes a selection and then asks if she could gift wrap it for him. As the saleswoman steps away, conveniently right there at the counter is a collection of sheet music. And Almanzo spots Brenda Sue Longworth's song, My Only Love. We're over at Walnut Grove in the Mercantile. Charles is there as Mr. Olson wraps up another pane of glass. Enter Brenda Sue to brag about how she got a song published. There's casual conversation between the three of them about Brenda Sue getting famous and moving away. As Charles leaves with his pane of glass, Brenda Sue then requests some black ink and paper so she can start writing more songs. Meanwhile, over at the school, Mrs. Wilder is teaching government history, and she is slowly getting more frustrated with her students, with none of them being able to answer the questions correctly. She decides to dismiss the class early and tell them to study for the test tomorrow, and I can't help but wonder, why not just keep them there and force them to study? As the room clears out, Albert senses his big sister's frustration and approaches the desk. However, his concerns are dismissed when Laura proclaims, When we are at school, I'm a teacher, not your sister. It's my prerogative if I want to get angry with the class. Annoyed, Albert must be thinking, Teacher, leave the kids alone, and proceeds to head outside. Laura, behind the desk, puts her head in her hands, wondering what to do next. And we find out what she has planned to do as she leaves the school and in the distance sees Brenda Sue heading to Nellie Caroline's restaurant and hotel. And Laura looks ready to stand on business as she heads over. Laura confronts Brenda Sue and is making a complete ass out of herself in the process. When was the last time you saw my husband? Brenda Sue rolls her eyes as she tries to respond to Laura. And Laura, Laura is 100% acting like a brat. It gets even worse when Laura name drops the title of Brenda Sue's song. My only love. And poor Brenda Sue, she responds, Oh, so he told you. And holy spit, Laura yells out, No, you witch, I found out. And we all know what she really means when she said witch. And OMG, Laura face palms Brenda Sue to the ground and jumps her. The remaining students, who did not go home to study, all run over circle this catfight, and start cheering. Caroline comes out and breaks up the fight, and Nellie is standing up on the porch, thinking, eh, I've been there, done that. She's someone who's seen it from both sides now. Caroline pulls Laura up, and we see Brenda Sue's ink has ended up everywhere. As Caroline tells everyone it's over, Laura is foaming at the mouth. I should have scratched your eyes out. I should have kicked you in the face. 
Those are 100% her words, not mine. Embarrassed by her daughter, Caroline takes Laura into Nellie's kitchen and wants to know what this is all about. Laura continues on that this is a love affair and pulls out the piece of paper she found at home. She even admitted it to me, like it was the most normal thing in the whole world. Caroline then gets pulled in and tells her daughter that she is moving back home. Cut to Charles, passing Almanzo as he's returning home. Of course, Charles knew about this delivery and tells Almanzo Laura has most likely returned back home to the Wilder farm. Almanzo smiles about this good news and says that he's had time to think it over and admits that he is actually lucky to have a girl like her. He admits Brenda Sue and him only ever had music in common before starting up the wagon and parting ways. Meanwhile, back in town, Harriet is at the switchboard sharing news of the catfight on the street of Walnut Grove and is indeed spreading the gossip. As soon as she is done sharing the news with one person, she moves on to the next. Hello, Mrs. Foster. Have you heard the news? In the background, Mr. Olson steps into the room and is checking the mail and overhears Harriet and his mouth drops, and he cuts the conversation off. How dare you interrupt me while I'm talking? And I have to say, I've missed Mr. Olson. You're always talking, even when you don't know what you're talking about. Harriet then claims ownership of the switchboard and says she can spread whatever alternative facts false news she wants. She immediately calls Mrs. Foster back to continue, when all of a sudden the line goes dead. Mr. Olson steps back into the room and proclaiming, well, the switchboard may be yours, but the wires are mine. Charles arrives back at Plum Creek and is greeted by Caroline and an ink-covered Laura. Caroline takes this moment to fill Charles in on what has transpires and also hands over the piece of paper Laura found that morning. But Charles seems confused and doesn't believe this evidence that is in front of him. He mentions how he just saw Almanzo five minutes ago returning home with a present as a peace offering and ready to make up. And he states this doesn't appear to be the picture of a guilty husband. When Laura starts to get defensive, I see whose side you're on. Charles claims he's on the side of making sure this is not just a misunderstanding. He announces how everyone is now going to head over to the Wilder farm and straighten this out. But Laura stands her ground and says she's not going. And then all of a sudden, a very stern voice says, Half pint, get in the wagon. Caroline looks at her daughter. I think you better do that. As Charline gets in the front seat, Laura climbs into the back and proceeds to mention, It feels like I'm crawling on broken glass. Because she has managed to break another piece of window pane. Arriving over at the Wilder farm, for the final showdown, we hear Almanzo singing 
my only love. And Laura declares she'd rather return to Plum Creek. But Charline is not having it and escort their daughter inside. Inside, Alamanzi is in a chair, sheet music on his lap, and playing the guitar. As Laura proceeds to yell at Almanzo, Caroline's expression at her daughter is priceless in the background. Almanzo inquires what has he done now, and Charles steps forward and hands the slip of paper to him. I write things down so I don't forget. And Laura, quick to respond, states, Did you write down, I don't love Laura anymore, too? Realizing the misunderstanding, Almanzo holds up the sheet music that clearly states, My Only Love by Brenda Sue Longsworth. In this moment, Charline leaves, so Laura and Almanzo can talk it out. While Laura bemoans being a stupid girl, Manly claims it was easy to draw conclusions, and while Laura inquires if she can be forgiven, Almanzo states, there's no need to argue anymore. It was just a simple misunderstanding. Both of them take some responsibility for their arguments and proceed to hug and make up. Laura's only request is that Almanzo never sings Brenda Sue's song again. We cut to Charline en route back to Plum Creek, reminding us all that everything will turn out just fine if you talk it out. Unfortunately, Charles opens up his mouth and says, maybe we get along too well. We haven't had a good argument in a long time. Caroline wants to know what he means by this. And Charles explains, well, if you don't argue, we can't make up. And that's the fun part. Caroline is so good. She starts an argument right there, declaring how Charles promised the window would be up days ago. Who am I supposed to blame? As Charles starts to raise his voice, Caroline smiles. Let's go home and make up. Cut to the next day. Charles is arriving at the mercantile and is about to put in another request for a picture window. But Mr. Olson is on top of it and says Laura came by earlier and mentioned what had happened. As Mr. Olson proceeds to deliver the worst dad joke, this window must be a real pain to you. Charles's face is unmoved. It's even worse when Mr. Olson then tries to explain the joke. Charles admits he gets the joke, but he doesn't want it. We then cut to Laura exiting the school, and she sees Brenda Sue coming towards her in a buckboard. Laura waves and calls out her name, and Brenda Sue puts that horsepower into high gear, does a 180, and is fleeing the scene. Can't say I blame her. Charles... Meanwhile, is exiting the mercantile with that window in hand and has to jump out of the way into the bushes as Brenda Sue's buckboard comes barreling by. Laura comes running over and looks at her father. Charles looks up and inquires, You didn't have anything to do with this by chance, did you? Laura smiles, turns, 
and yells how she's looking forward to supper at their house as she is fleeing the scene. The episode could have ended there, but instead we find ourselves over at Plum Creek with a voiceover from Laura stating the obvious because we can see Almanzo playing guitar and DJ Ingalls isn't at the fiddle because he's busy putting up the old window. There's no trivia for today's episode, so we're getting right into reviewing and rating this episode. I don't know if anyone's keeping count, but this is our third episode in the series about divorce. The first one took place in season one, Family Quarrel. I mean, who can forget Mr. Olsen getting a dozen eggs dumped on the top of his head? Plus, whatever happened to Alfie? Mr. Olsen's bloodhound in that episode. The second time we get an episode about divorce is season four's The High Cost of Being Right, where Jonathan Garvey and Rest in Peace Ali G are on the verge of separation due to the stress of them losing their entire crop when their barn burns, as well as when Jonathan Garvey decides that he is the only person man who is allowed to financially take care of the family. Hmm, this kind of sounds familiar, but we know Allie G eventually becomes substitute postmistress as well as educator in Walnut Grove. But here, third time's a charm when it finally comes to divorce involving the Ingalls, Wilders. This is our third episode as well that deals with the idea of infidelity. Back in season two, we had For My Lady, where Charles is spending a little extra time at the Widow Thurman's house, but it's just to get a used set of china for Caroline. But some thoughts are brought to the foreground, and the pot is definitely stirred by Harriet. But things even out when in season four, we get the handyman, where once again, Harriet is the source root of rumors and gossip of Caroline being unfaithful to Charles, who is conveniently out of most of that episode. So here in divorce, Walnut Grove style, we get divorce as well as rumors of infidelity. And of course, it all boils down to miscommunication. However, I did find it rather unusual that with such a serious topic as divorce, especially on television in 1980, with a series that takes place in the 1880s, how comical this episode actually was. And it's not just about the ongoing joke about Laura breaking the window every single time. But for me, it's more the fact that do these two, Laura and Almanzo, ever get along? Since they officially became a couple at the end of season six's Sweet 16 episode, we had to watch them do nothing but argue, albeit mostly Almanzo's fault, never give an ultimatum, for season six finale, He Loves Me, He Loves Me Not, part one and two. But as soon as we start season seven, we see them do nothing but argue. 
I mean, I'm really thankful we've had four episodes prior to this one where Laura and Amanda were barely even in them. I'm getting really tired of their laugh moments. I know they're newlyweds and all, but this is just a bit much. When do they turn over a new leaf? I mean, after this episode, are they finally going to actually get along? Ugh, this episode was just annoying. But one thing that was not annoying was this week's Little House moment. And it should come as no surprise when I declare that catfight, albeit mostly one-sided, between Laura and Brenda Sue on the street of Walnut Grove is it. Again, I am not condoning violence. And in this case, yeah, this is Laura making complete fool of herself. But wow, we are one letter away from having our first expletive on the prairie. Scat doesn't count. And just the sheer intensity of this fight. I mean, Laura and Nellie mud wrestling over Almanzo is one thing, but Laura face palming Brenda Sue to the ground and jumping her, wow, took things to a whole new level. And although we have seen Laura be CCC, cool, calm, and collected back in season two's The Richest Man in Walnut Grove, Laura seems to have lost that ability and is just plain catty in this episode. And with that, let's finally get to rating this episode. I am so over Laura and Almanzo's fighting. It is just irritating. Yes, I have appreciated Laura standing up for herself against Manly Child's ultimatums, but here it's just kind of redundant. The only reason these two are ending up together is because this series was based on books. And yes, at this time, Laura is probably 18 years old. She did mention she was nearly 17 at the beginning of the season. And time does move disproportionately in the Prairieverse. But there will always be the 9-10 year age difference between the two of them. And while it seems Laura is getting older in her development, Almanzo seems to be getting younger in his. I just can't with these two. Uh, so, fingers crossed, from here on out, we don't have to deal with more of their fighting. And again, this episode, with trying to take on a serious matter, such as, like I said, divorce and infidelity... We have to throw Charles in there and his grumpy facial expressions every time the window pane gets broken. Why? It doesn't really do anything for this episode. And that is why we are going to give this episode, Divorce, Walnut Grove Style, a three and a quarter bonnet rating. It's only real saving graces were, one, obviously the catfight, to Almanzo in the bathtub. And those are just some of my thoughts and feelings about this episode. And as always, I wouldn't mind hearing your thoughts and feelings about this episode or any previous episode or season. From Plum Creek with Love at Instagram and Gmail is how you can reach out to me. 
Again, there's no Patreon account, but leaving a review and a rating on your platform of choice, albeit the ones I only am able to see are on Apple Podcast, but also reaching out on the Instagram with some sort of kind words will also warrant a shout out. And while I know that might sound now like a little bit of bribery, we're in season seven. The finish line for this podcast is not too far away. In fact, it might just be a little over a year. Oh, goodness. The Spotify playlist for season seven is also available for you. Maybe you'll be reminded of a song you used to really enjoy or discover an artist you haven't heard before. Join us next week as we continue onward with Season 7, Episode 8, Dearest Albert, I'll miss you. And with that, we come to the end of another episode of From Plum Creek with Love, a Little House on the Prairie podcast. I'm your host, John Hernandez, and until next time, take care.